This is Red House Rising, Season 4, Episode 6, Peace in Our Time. Lagoon. The float plane is in the cove on the water now, moored to an improvised palm tree dock. Joe is in the cockpit, with Reggie sitting co-pilot, and Schumacher, Roger, and Pete Kelly sitting in back. Nino's on the starboard float, whipping the new propeller around manually to be sure there's no oil in the radial engine's bottom cylinder. He gives Joe the thumbs up and jumps to the dock. Just be a minute. Joe exits the JRB4 and follows Nino ashore. They join Mother Sapu on the beach. Thank you both for everything. Maru and I will be back soon. Tell Uncle Walt I think of him always. I will, Nino. We will await you, my little Josephine, and our dear Maru. And you must bring your Daniel when you come. A beautiful son of Truk. I shall do that, Mother Sapu. Reggie pokes her head out of the floatplane door. Hey, Joe. Just over the radio. The war may be over. What do you mean? What are they saying? B-29s from Tinian dropped atomic bombs on Japan. Hiroshima first, then Nagasaki. Both cities wiped out. My God. This terrible war. That's a signal. That bird. Japanese patrol boat. Hurry, my Josephine. Joe fires up both engines and the float plane heads west out of the cove, slowly gathering takeoff speed. If it's a patrol boat, believe me, they're fishing. There's 20,000 of them over there. They're starving to death. The JRV-4 races down the cove and lifts off just as the Japanese patrol boat rounds the point. There they are! My Christ! Joe, I'm going! I'm going! I told you. Look, they're fishing. He's right. They're pulling a net. The Japanese patrol boat is running slow with a small crew. Men in back are manually pulling a net closed around a school of fish. Out of nowhere, Joe's plane roars overhead, startling the crew. The gunnery sergeant lets go of his line and jumps into the 50 caliber chair. He wheels the machine gun into position. But without him, the other sailors immediately lose control and can't close the net around the fish. You! Get back to your work! Get back to the net! Do it! Shame, the gunner hurries back to his position on the net. Someone should tell them to go home. It's over. We're atomic now. Well, they must be listening to their radios over there. They'll find out. We're gone. Bye-bye. Mike's B-29 climbs to cruising altitude, headed west from Tinian toward Japan. Bob, I asked route team to add Matsuyama to our drop list. I saw it, Mike. 
Much you prefer Kerala? Why there in particular? Got a little payback in mind? Make them afraid we're dropping the next A-bomb? You got it backwards, Bob. The more people who know this war is over, the better. What's her name, Mike? <laughs> Again, you're barking up the wrong tree. But he is an old friend. Matsuyama, Japan. Prince Nakura's estate. Nick drives his old farm pickup into the courtyard. Ryo sits beside him. I hope she doesn't have a heart attack. She knows you survived. That was a huge weight off of her, Ryo. But I didn't know when I could get you home, so I didn't tell her you were coming. <gasps> Ryo! I guess she knows now. Seems so. Hello, Mother. It's good to be home with you again. You're all right. Nick said you were very brave. Prince Nikura, I am your servant always. And I am yours for all you have done for me, Fumiko. No, no, not now. No more bombing. Colonel Yakata comes running out of Nick's house and into the courtyard with the others as a lone B-29 approaches from the east. Those fools in Tokyo. How many more cities destroyed? Quick, the cellar. Look away. Don't look at the flash. But there's no explosion. Instead, once again, thousands of leaflets flutter toward the ground. Yokata runs after one of the leaflets and retrieves it. These American planes are not dropping bombs on you today. American planes are dropping these leaflets instead because the Japanese government has offered to surrender. And every Japanese has a right to know the terms of that offer and the reply made to it by the United States government on behalf of itself, the British, the Chinese, and the Russians. Your government now has a chance to end the war immediately. It's over. This forces the emperor's hand. He'll need to act quickly. Announce his capitulation. Before the war minister's fanatics can stop him. But with these leaflets... The people will know. Soldiers too. All will know soon enough. The emperor has chosen to surrender. Yan'an, China, late evening. Anya Volkov's car stops in front of Liang's and Mei Ling's house. The driver gets out. He's about to knock on the door when the door flies open and Liang strides out, slamming the door behind her and crossing to the car. Liang joins Volkov in the back seat. Dramatics. <sighs> Something like that. I like dramatics, but I wish full and complete attention tonight. You have it, Anya. My full and complete attention. She's back. Not for long. I'm yours. Drive. Liang follows Volkov across a stone courtyard to the doorway of a two-story cave house. Homes in caves. Hiding from Japanese bombs. Perhaps KMT bombs one day soon. Perhaps. Please, after you. The main room of the cave house is lit by dozens of candles. Volkov crosses to a wardrobe and removes her coat. 
Her dress is tight to her skin and almost transparent. She takes a silk nightgown from the wardrobe and holds it out to Liang. It's lovely. Not as lovely as it will be momentarily. Take your clothes off. Is this a gift? Of course. Take your clothes off and put this on. All right, Anya. Leong removes her jacket and clothes, everything she's wearing. She stands naked in front of Volkov. Battle scars. Shrapnel. Yes. Impressive. Leong takes the nightgown from Volkov and puts it on. Is it having the desired effect? It is. Volkov takes Leong by the wrist and pulls her close. It is a beautiful surprise. Thank you. Volkov kisses Leong on the neck, nuzzles her ear. Is only part of surprise. Volkov kisses Leong hard, then crosses to a pantry. Russian caviar, and I am told, only bottle of champagne in Yenan. Volkov sets down the bottle of champagne and a tray with caviar and glasses. Now I am impressed. You will see much more glorious things in Moscow. Madame San is right to send you away with me. Is she? Why? Your jealous friend, of course. Here you are, my darling. Thank you. To Soviet glory. Like Madame San, I believe your friend will be cause of her own undoing. The Madame believes this? She does. I see. You've become quite close to Madame Sung. We speak often now. Your jealous friend was in Changshin looking for Reggie Pao. Why? I don't know, Anya. She was the one responsible for your sister's death. Stop, Anya. Let's not talk about this anymore. Please, this was supposed to be... The champagne has gone right to my head. I should have eaten something. It's all right. I have you. Volkov sets down her glass and holds Leon close. She kisses her and begins fondling her breasts. I just feel... I don't know. I'm sorry. Leon's glass breaks against the table. She slips from Volkov's arms. Oh, here. Sit. Suddenly, eyes flashing, Leong whirls, slashing Volkov's neck from ear to ear with the broken glass. Volkov collapses. Blood pools beneath her. She rolls over, wide-eyed, unable to speak. Leong stands over her, holding the bloodied broken glass. The assassin. He belonged to you, Anya. He was your man. You owned him. Just like you thought you could own Madame Sonia Sen. I'm leaving. Don't get up. Leong slips out the cave house door and crosses the courtyard into the darkness. She freezes. Volkov's driver is still there, sitting in the car, waiting. All at once, the driver door pops open, and the driver flops out of the car onto the road. There's a heavy wire wrapped around his neck. Mei Ling sits in the passenger seat.
You drive. Leong steps over the driver and into the car. The car skids to a stop in front of the main hangar at Yenan's Dongguan Air Base. A light rain has begun falling. Mei Ling and Li Yang jump out of the car and cross the hangar toward the tarmac and a camouflage-painted twin-engine transport plane. General Stillwell? He sent help from special services. You know I love you. I love you more. The transport pilot fires up the plane's starboard engine. Liang and Mei Ling reach the plane's gangway and hurry aboard. They look up to the front of the cabin. Madam Sun Yat-sen is in mid-conversation with an American Army officer. Madam Sun and the officer stop and look around. Liang nods to Madam Sun. Madam Sun nods to Liang. Then she turns back to the officer and they continue their conversation. Mokulea, Hawaii. The beach across the coast road from Keeney's General Store is packed with people. Two men have a pig roasting in an underground pit. A long mat has been laid out with bowls of poi and plates of different fish poke. Mono moves through the crowd, greeting people. Mono! Mono! Mono looks around and sees Mackie waving to him from the shallows, where he has Daniel kneeling on his surfboard. Walt has his feet in the water, watching the boys. Hey, Mackie, how you going? I'm teaching Daniel to surf. He's good. Wow, look at you, Daniel. That's the way. Hey, Walt, can I give you something to drink? I'm good for now, Mono. But boy, my mouth's watering from what you've got cooking over there. My mouth is full of water, too. <laughs> I'll bet. Just don't swallow. Mackie's going to have him all trained up for Waikiki, Walt. Don't worry, Mono. <laughs> I'm taking notes. I might try it myself. I'll teach you. All right. Good. Ruby and Sister Elaine join Tutu and Keeney, who are sitting on the long bench in front of the store watching the goings-on. Sue Ann comes out the door past them, carrying a big tray. Hey, you two. Ruby, Sister Elaine, so glad you made it. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. Can we give you a hand, Sue Ann? No, Ruby, you two just relax. I'll be right back. Sue Ann crosses the road to the women laying out the food for the luau. Sue Ann seems happy. After what she's been through, she deserves to be happy. She does. She really does. Manu is very good to her. He adores her. But things take time. She's had her heart broken. More than once. First, Mackie's father, then Taka. Different kinds of heartbreak, but heartbreak just the same. Where's Ichiro? I want to meet this ruthless woman. Oh, yes, so do I. Stop that. She's not ruthless. Well, she's a little ruthless. But she's honest, and she knows her business. I like this woman for Ichiro. Ruth woke him up. Tutu's right. Ichiro used to be all work, no play. Hmm. I think since he lost Kayla, Suam's mother, your daughter, may she rest in peace, 
Then in the camps. Oh, I think for too long he was heartbroken himself. Ruth changed him. Maru shares a beach blanket with Dex, the saxophone player from Ruby's club. They're watching Kai surf. <laughs> oh, that boy can ride a wave. He just looks like he knows what he's doing. He says he was born in the water. <laughs> I'm impressed. And he's handsome to boot. He is handsome. <laughs> can I ask you something? Are you two together? Seems like you are. Oh, well, we were together in high school, but he joined the Navy as soon as he graduated. Oh, yeah? He wanted to avenge his father. What happened to his father? Killed in the Philippines at the beginning of the war. And his mother died when he was little, so, yeah, you know. Oh, that's tough. We thought he was gone, too. Like so many men, just never come back. And then a miracle. He survived. He's alive. He's more than alive. <laughs> he is. I mean, look at him go. <laughs> so you're still getting used to his being home, I guess. I suppose so. But now that he's back, I have something I need to go do. <laughs> That's right. You're the flyer. Where is it you're going again? My family's in the Caroline Islands, Truk Lagoon. But I'll fly wherever Catholic Missions needs me. There are so many islands needing help. Wow. Amazing. Adventurous gal. <laughs> it's what I can do to help. It's what I love to do. Uh-oh! He lost his board. <laughs> Dex runs into the water and grabs Kai's surfboard before it beaches. Kai swims toward him and comes up throwing water in Dex's direction. <laughs> Whoa! Did I get you? <laughs> Sorry. Dex hands Kai his surfboard. Once he's got it, Dex splashes Kai in the face. <laughs> hey! Just trying to help. You look good out there. Thanks. This time, Kai splashes Dex in the face. <laughs> oh, a wise guy, huh? When are you going to teach me how to surf? Maru says you're sticking around after the war. You got it. As far as I can tell, Hawaii's the holy land for someone like me. On the mainland, there's all kinds of nice clubs where I couldn't play. The color of my skin, you see. But here, I'm playing in the finest club in the islands and swimming with anyone I like. A military sedan pulls up in front of the store. Joe hops out of the back seat and hurries across the road. Daniel and Mackie see her coming. Okay, let's show her. Mom, watch, watch. Mackie guides his surfboard so it catches a small foamy wave and Daniel just manages to get to his feet on the board. Daniel literally surfs into his mother's arms. She runs into the water and scoops him up just before he tumbles off the board. Wow! My big surfer! You are a real surfer now! Oh, I missed you. Hi, Mackie. Are you teaching Daniel? He needs a little more practice, but I could teach him. Wait, let me go again. Okay, son, go ahead. Let me see what you can do. Daniel and Mackie pull the surfboard back into the shore break. Maru sees Joe and hurries over. Joe, 
You're back. Oh, Maru. I have so much to tell you. I do, too. You won't believe it. Neither will you. What? Tell me. You go first. They found Kai. He was in a camp the whole time, and he survived. Oh, Maru. I am so happy to hear that. Look, he's here. That's him. Joe looks around and sees Kai smiling and waving, standing in the shore break with Dex. Joe waves back. Look at him. How wonderful. Maru, I have to tell you, we flew into a storm on the way home, and we ended up forced down on Toll Island. Toll? In the lagoon? In Truk? Yes, yes, and they were there. Nino, your brother, and Mother Sapu, they were there, alive. What? They're waiting to see you. They think of you always. And Nino, he's a man now. Oh, Joe, that's the best news of all. Very soon we will be able to go back, and you will be with them. Mom! Mom! Okay, Daniel, Mommy's watching. There, there you go. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> He's doing it. Ruth pulls her Cadillac into the Mokalea Clinic parking lot. <sighs> Sorry I'm late. Oh, don't be silly, Ruth. It'll be going all day at Keeney's. You're telling me I can't be silly? Come here. Ruth kisses Ichiro full on the mouth. Not bad. I bet we could do better. Ruth goes to kiss Ichiro again, but he pulls back a little. Ruth, I... uh, I really like you. I, I do, very much. But I'm worried you're... You lost your husband. It's just been a few months, so you're... I'm what, Dr. Shunji? Are you a psychoanalyst now? What I'm saying is... It's normal. You're grieving, whether you know it or not. As much as I enjoyed that kiss... I think we should wait. For your sake. Yes, you're very thoughtful, Ichido. But I'm not interested in waiting. Life is short. My husband helped me see that. He adored me, Major Weber. Until we got married. For some reason, the longer we were married, the more contemptuous of me he became. I'm sorry, Ruth. Don't be. My husband's death helped me see something else. What? You. It led me to you, Ichido. For the first time, I feel like I can breathe. Ruth and Ichiro arrive at Kini's store and join the crowd watching three young men in warrior dress perform a fire dance, whirling their flaming staffs, creating a circle of flame, throwing the staffs back and forth to each other, then high in the air, all to the beat of the drums.
I guess we got here just in time. Wow, they're good. I think they're local boys. Dad, you made it. Hi, Ruth. Thanks for coming. Of course, Sue Ann. I wouldn't miss it. I better let Mono know you're here, Dad. He's been wondering where you were. Oh, sorry. That's my fault. Not at all, Ruth. I was finishing with a patient. Ichiro, I'm glad you're here. How are you, Ruth? Good, good, Mono. I loved the fire dancers. They're good, aren't they? But, uh, now that you're here... Excuse me? Everyone, excuse me. We'll sit and eat now in just a minute. But first, I want to thank everyone for coming out to celebrate the new store, which will always be known as Kini's. And of course, we're here to celebrate Kini's retirement. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And there's one more thing we're celebrating. Mono puts his arm around Sue Ann. She does the same to him. Ladies and gentlemen, Suan and I are getting married. Mono takes an engagement ring from his pocket and slips it onto Suan's finger. I did ask permission of the men in Suan's life. Ichiro, you told me it was up to Mackie, and Mackie, you said yes, so long as your mom said yes. And she did. Sue Ann puts her arms around Mono and kisses him. Mackie runs up and puts his arms around both of them. (laughs) Okay, let's see. (laughs) People are still eating and drinking, but the luau is winding down. Mono helps Kini and Tutu cross the road and walks with them to Kini's house behind the store. Joe comes and takes Mono's seat next to Sue Ann. I'm so happy for you, Sue Ann. Mono's a good guy. Thank you, Joe. He is. He's good to me. To everyone, really. You can tell how much he loves you. Sue Ann, I'm sorry, but I told him that I would make sure that you got this. It's from Taka. Oh, really? Taka? I know. Bad timing. No, it's fine. I left him on Tinian Island. He's been an important part of the propaganda war, convincing his country to stop fighting. Suan opens the letter and begins to read. Dearest Suan, I hope by the time you read this, Japan has surrendered. I'm sorry it has been so long since I've written, but I think by not writing, I could pretend maybe you were there in Mokulea, maybe thinking of me. Now, with the war ending, I must tell you, I'm not returning to Hawaii. Please believe me. I cherish our time together, Suan, our days living dangerously. But it is clear to me, the Japanese people need my help. My countrymen and I have so much work to do. Otaka. Thank you, Joe. Everything all right? Perfect. It's perfect. Red House Rising is written and directed by Chris Cote and Dale Carey. Episode 7 is next. The final episode of Season 4, 
and the final episode of the Red House Rising series. 